Whoops, I forgot to turn myself on. Hello, America. Welcome to a fresh edition of the Sea Report. We are live today on this Friday, June 18, 2021. I am your host, Mr. C, as always, and it's good to be here. I hope everyone's had a fabulous Friday. Now let's get into the thick of things. No, just kidding. Yeah, we have a good show for you guys tonight. I think so. But then again, I think um, I might be a little bit biased, of course. But, uh, you know, needless to say... We have a few things coming up for you guys today, and we'll see how that goes now. What's up, Joy for Trump? Thank God it's Friday indeed. You know, yesterday I was stuck on Wednesday, mm -hmm. and Tuesday I was stuck in Wednesday mode also. Oh, what was up with Wednesday? I don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't know about hump days. I don't know why they call it a hump day. Why is Wednesday called a hump day? I mean, obviously, because you think it's the middle of the week, right? But if at the middle of the week, you're at the top of the hill. That means the rest of the hill, the week, it's downhill. And that doesn't sound like fun to me. I think it's like more like a steep up. Uh, it's like a more upward incline or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> don't quote me on my weekday philosophies. They really mean nothing when it gets down to it. What's going on? Looking up. Good to have you in the house tonight, as always. And working solo tonight. So I have you all to myself. Oh, sounds awesome. Joy for Trump. So I guess that means you get to listen to me like um, out loud or something like that. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know how you usually work, work when you work, work with Mr. C here, but very cool. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I can provide you some company while you are uh, doing what you do over there, doing what you do. All right. Very cool. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. So as always, before we get in today's show, we will do a little bit of a chat recap. And uh, we'll see what we had going on in yesterday's world. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the Foxhole fam is slowly trickling in. We are live at the Foxhole at Twitch and also at Trovo. I like Trovo over DLive just because they um, archive your uh, uh, recordings for a longer period of time. I think at DLive, it's like three days. Like, who even has enough time to accidentally stumble upon you and look at your stuff in three days? Not many people, if you ask me. <laughs> Hi, Just V. You are not late. I just actually, I started at 7.32 Texas time, of course. So that means that you are just three minutes. That's not that's not enough time to equate with being late, Miss Just V. But welcome, welcome, welcome. As always, we're just about to get into that chat recap. Now, Joy for Trump has had that number one spot of coming into the chat first for God. You're, you're starting your winning streak again, Joy for Trump. <laughs> Good for you. And yes, the Trump flag is back. Uh, Texan was in the house yesterday. We also had, let's see, Poonslayer. Poonslayer was in the house. Blonde Blue Lady Q would agree that the flags were a goodbye. I would say so, too. I would say so, too. I think so. I think that I like this one. It's like, you know, it's it's different, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> Babs the Ice Queen was in the house. And then let's see here. Joy for Trump was gifting the shades already. Um, and it, uh, my gratitude to you as well, Joy for Trump. I appreciate that. Yesterday in, on in. Blonde Blue Lady Q. Uh, Donna Marie 33. Donna Marie B. 3033. No, wait. Donna Marie B. 33. I'm going to get this right at some point, I swear. Sorry about that, Donna Marie. 3B333. I cannot rhyme today for some reason. Always in Texas in the house. Looks like always in Texas is in the house now as well. Hey, always. I was looking for you today on um, Discord, and I just, I guess my digging skills in Discord are not as good as they are in real life. So, I'm going to pop my Discord in the chat right now so that we can connect. And of course, anyone else in the chat room, you're more than welcome to come on over if you have a Discord. Boop. All right, it is now in the chat. So uh, if you, <laughs> so it's there for anyone who'd like to join. Um, of course, um, I'm more prone to keep you in if, uh, if, if I know your name, from uh, the foxhole, and uh, it, or if it's not anonymous, um, I have had to kick out a couple of roaches. Now, I like to keep things pretty open, but not when people are just, you know, spying for whatever reasons they're spying. I don't know. It happens sometimes whenever you're on the air five days a week. Okay, so let's see here. <laughs> it looks like yesterday always was also trying to sneak in. Don't you worry, always. You you have a pass coming in to see report. Sergeant Sparky was in the room as well. Let's see who else that we have here. We had Tron uh, stop in to say hello. Um, and uh, let's see, what else did we have going on here? Who else was joining us in chat yesterday? Okay, so... Oh, okay. So, uh, Blonde Blue Lady Q was mentioning about the, because uh, I believe I'd asked. I don't remember at what point I asked yesterday. Yesterday seems like it was so far away. But uh, I was asking about the Patriot event in Las Vegas. So, um, I know uh, Just V gave me the heads up on that. Looks like Blonde Blue Lady Q also, she says, I believe the Vegas rally is the same people as the Dallas one. Brothers Uncensored is going, I believe. So that's pretty cool. I wonder if it's going to have a similar lineup. You know what I mean? Like if it's going to be, um, you know, uh, General Flynn again and um, the rest of the party that was present. Either way, it'd be pretty fun. Um, I'm already contemplating possibly going uh, if I can find out more information on it. Now, I went to the Patriots. What was it called? Patriots. I mean, obviously, the name of the thing was a Patriot Roundup, right? Patriot Voice. Uh, I was checking out Patriot Voice uh, the other day. Uh, well, actually, yesterday and a little bit earlier today. Did They didn't have any updated information in that regard, but I'll keep my eye out for it. I definitely would not mind going back to Las Vegas. I definitely enjoy going to Las Vegas. And if you'd like to know any of those details, well, my friends, you'll just have to read the book. Okay. All right. So let's see here. What else do we have? Yay for tostadas. Okay. So we had a whole conversation about tostadas in there. Now I'm going to give you guys my take on tostadas and chalupas in just a bit. They have nothing to do with Taco Bell. Let me tell you what, but Jen K Canadian bird was in the house as well. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Jen K Canadian bird looking up. Looking up says, I'll take the cash and I want my reparations. Uh, I think we're talking about um, 
I think we were talking about how uh, they're going to liquidate the assets of all the treasonous traitors out there and throw them back at us Americans and the rest of the world who deserve them. And then also, let's not forget the 10 billion that we're going to get from China. Or was it 100 billion? I think it was 10 billion, right? 10 billion was the number. That was the figure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's see. Um, we are looking for, oh, Babs the Ice Queen says she has seen the speak uneasy. She saw him in a video from the Patriot Roundup. So I missed that one. So, uh, uh, well, I mean, it's, I was just, you know, I was just uh, um, laughing over uh, <laughs> his favorite phrase. So-and-so is a puto. <laughs> That one just gets me every time because I mean, I could just hear him saying it, but I can't. I got to hear him say it. Uh, let's see here. What else do we got? What else do we got? What, OK, so now we're talking about the tostadas and we're talking about the chalupas. So I don't mind. I don't mind being a little foodie with you guys on here. Obviously, food seems to be uh, the reason for the season at times. And why not? We had a, everyone was tossing their cookies yesterday. <laughs> That was great. Everyone was tossing their cookies and, uh, you know, the cookie jar was getting filled. It was a wonderful thing. I caught a, I caught a few in my mouth. Um, but I think who was it that told me about that first? Was it always who'd mentioned it? Maybe. Yeah. No, no, it was blonde blue lady Q. She goes, Mr. C, that was the best day food fight. And she threw a shrimp at me. <laughs> I caught that one with my mouth because I like shrimp. I'm a big fan of shrimp. <laughs> so it was pretty good. Okay, uh, let's see. Let's get into this tostada talk before we get into some serious business. We're going to go deep and dirty and we're going to go hard and we're going to go negative. No, just kidding. We never go negative at the C-Report. We always stay positive regardless of the topic of uh, choice. But let's see, what do we have here? Let's see. I saw these tostada remarks here just a minute ago. So uh, Blonde Blue Lady Q says the difference between tostadas and chalupas, because that's my question was, what's the difference between tostada and a chalupa? One is flat and one is not. Always says a chalupa is Taco Bell crap. Tostadas are flavorful, flavorful food in the same basic shape. Um, let's see. Tam growls in the house. Hello, Tam Growl. And let's see here. They're both flat. That's what um, Always in Texas says in regards to Babsy Ice Cream's comment. Okay, so we're getting a little bit warmer here. Uh, I haven't ever heard of either a chalupa or a tostada, says Jen K. Canadian Bird. And uh, Kelly Martin is an actor. <laughs> Donna Marie B333, thank you for letting me know. Kelly Martin is an actress because I don't know why I called kelly ward dr kelly ward of the arizona audit over there in arizona i don't know why i called her kelly martin yesterday i mean it's not like it was like ricky martin or something like that i don't know who kelly martin is is she someone i should know is she someone who's famous is she someone who's old let's find out real quick before because then it's gonna bug me kelly martin would you notice uh I t i'm looking for kelly martin and i type in kelly ward what is going on <laughs> Okay, hold on. Kelly Martin is an American fashion designer. She was a contestant on the fifth season of Bravo's television series Project Runway, and, I, and she went on to act. Yep, she was Rebecca, Becca Thatcher in Life Goes On. This might be a different Kelly Martin. Okay, I've never seen... Oh, wait. No, I don't think I've ever seen this woman before. <laughs> Anyways, that was interesting. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what's up with that. But anyways, okay. So Blonde Blue Lady Q says, Jen K, Canadian bird. Tostada is a flat, crunchy taco. Chalupa is a flower shell folded like a taco, sort of. Okay, so you guys, my take, my take on it is going to be different. I promise you. Almost the same as always in Texas, though. I think, okay, so 
Food is different in Texas. Let me just tell you that for sure. Like, um, there's no such thing as a breakfast burrito in Texas, unless at least south of Austin, unless you are getting a burrito-sized breakfast-filled tortilla. Um, but I know out west, a breakfast taco which is a taco with breakfast stuffs in it, is called a breakfast burrito. Go figure. I don't know. I can't figure that one out myself. But uh, let's see here. Uh, there was another comment I saw about that. Mm. Good evening to see you, Mr. Speaking Easy. He was a Sergeant Sparky was in the house. Uh, let's see here. Let's see here. Ah, if you lived anywhere in this region, it would be important. Where you? Where are you? It's not really going to affect your day to day. <laughs> And then, uh, so Jen K. Canadian Bird says, so a tostada is like a crunchy quesadilla. <laughs> and then just V says, damn, I'm late again. She's probably like, why are we talking about quesadillas and tostadas? Um, let's see. I never know when Mr. C is going to be on. It's always a surprise. Well, Tam Gorel, I think I'm finding my home here at 7.30 p.m. Texas time, 8.30 p.m. Trump time, just 5.30 p.m. Um... What would Cal Cal just be time now? What what would California time be considered? Uh, we'll figure something out for that. Who's someone cool and good in California that we can compare that to, or at least in that time zone? Hmm. Hmm. I'll have to think about that one, or I will rely on my California friends to uh, fill me in on that one. Okay, so okay, so then let's see. Babs the Ice Queen says, um, it is like a flat, crunchy taco. Okay. And then Blonde Blue EQ says, quesadilla is usually a soft folded shell with filling and then lightly to where are you people from? Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you the Tex Max Texas, uh, almost Mexican, because uh, believe it or not, guys, enchiladas are nothing like they are in Mexico the way they are in the United States. Like that one threw me for a loop when I was having an enchilada one time in Mexico. But so the way I understand it, tostadas are the name of the shell that you make a chalupa out of. And a chalupa would be the flat, crunchy round that you stack whatever you want on top of it. Now, if it's folded, that's a crispy taco. A crispy taco. Um, so, oh, and, and and then if it's puffy, then it's a puffy taco. <laughs> <laughs> and then if it is, uh, you know, a regular standard flour corn tortilla, well, on a flour, it's a taco. If it's a corn tortilla, it's usually rolled. And then that's a taquito. And then let me think, what, el what else are we missing here? Uh, the burrito, of course, is the oversized tortilla. But this is by Texas standards, at least south of Austin. So, you know, what? Uh, I mean, every region, there is a, a different dime for a different dozen. But I thought that was pretty interesting. But I will refrain from ever calling a breakfast taco a breakfast burrito unless it's the size of burrito now when we're talking about burritos you got your standard burritos and then you got your chimichangas and your chimichangas are basically fried burritos so yeah anyways okay that's mr c's food lesson for today um you don't make me bring like a plate of food up here to show you guys what i'm talking about if i were to do that it maybe be for enchiladas um i love enchiladas um, but in Mexico, they, they were totally different. It threw me for a loop. Of course, uh, this is when I was visiting down with a friend. Now we were talking about the cartel the other day and, uh, something I found very interesting. Well, not interesting as so much as kind of sad is a, apparently the cartels are regrouping in Mexico, but, um, 
one of my one of my oldest friends um he i was actually the best man in his wedding i think i did a terrible job but um we went down with his family uh to mexico now his family's from michoacan which is like very it's 17 hours into mexico interior um it's about three to four hours away from mexico city but it's a little southwest of that now michoacan is known as a drug state you have Michoacan, and then the state right beneath it is called, um, oh, what is the name of it? It starts with a G. Guerra? No. Oh, I'm going to need to find out now. I can't remember. My, my memory is failing me. But uh, down there, because you have the state of Michoacan, um, and then you have uh, the next state, Guerrero, I think it's called. I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. Let me let me figure this out real quick because I want to give you guys the right information. That's why I take notes. Guerrero, I was correct. Okay, so um, Guerrero is um, is considered a very very heavy drug state. Like that's cartel state. That's drug trafficking. So whenever we would go down there, they would tell us if they ask you where you're going, don't say you're going to Michoacan. Don't because then they might associate that with Guerrero. You know, they're like, say you're going to Jalisco or Guanajuato or something like that. So um, we would go. I went down to Michoacan probably about two or three times. Each time I went, I stood for about like a week at least, um, you know, very, very humble living. Uh, you know, his town, it was called Santa Ana Maya. And it was literally like a dirt, dirt roads. Like you would drive about a mile and a half or two from off a main road to get to that town. Uh, on a dirt road, a crazy story. I, I probably won't have time to share it now, but a crazy story about one night where we missed the last bus into town and we almost had to hoof it from that main road at night all the way back to his town. And we're talking no street lights, no nothing, just empty wilderness and a cemetery before you get into town that was a crazy night. And if you want to find out how we got back into town, you'll have to read the book. No, just kidding. Anyway. So, okay. So anyway, so I, I really enjoyed going to visit his family there in Michoacan, but now I haven't been in years because at a certain point they were finding decapitated heads in the plaza and probably within the last, uh, probably before Biden Within the last three to four years, it the violence had calmed down, and you would see people. You would see the you would see the policia or the cartel riding around in their pickups with their AK forty sevens. Like we'd be sitting there in the plaza, you know, having like a I don't know yellow or something like that, and um, you would see them driving around. Of course, I mean, if, if they wouldn't bother you, obviously, uh, they it wasn't like. They weren't actively seeking violence or trying to do anything to you, but um, they were finding decapitated heads in the plaza, which sucked. And uh, I read an article today where they're talking about how the cartels are regrouping. And there's been an increase in violence in Michoacan, which sucks because their capital city, its name is Morelia, is so beautiful. It's such a beautiful city. We're talking like colonial uh, buildings that are no taller than three, two or three stories tall. They're connected like for blocks, cobblestones. But then you go to like the uh, the little shops and the uh, 
what are they called ultra bars and stuff like that and they're like they're playing modern music they're they're fancy as las vegas and stuff like that you know it, it was just it's just a shame that that they're seeing that kind of thing down there but anyways um his grandmother was like one day uh get us big scout and so she was gonna give us fish and so i was getting ready to eat like this fish dinner right <laughs> she serves me this plate boom and there's a whole fish eyeballs and everything on there and they're like they're like cuidado los espinas and i was like what does that mean and my friend's like be careful with the little spines in there when you're eating the meat because they'll get stuck in your gums and i was like what this is crazy anyways that was a fun trip um you learn a lot of things when you you travel around so yeah i mean what can i say that was uh that was a great experience um i would love to go back down sometime honestly but i don't know if that will ever happen uh but we'll see we'll see if if uh, things turn upwards for them but it was beautiful it's beautiful down there okay let's see what else we got here okay so that was my <laughs> that was my spiel on mexico cartels and tostadas and chalupas so let's go ahead and we can move on now, ladies and gentlemen. We can move on. Uh, let's see here. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see here. <laughs> Blonde Blue Lady Q. You, you cannot be putting people in timeout. <laughs> That's some fun stuff. You guys are awesome. I have, a, I have such a good time talking with you all. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see here. I've been a little in the dumps, uh, Mr. C. Mr. C. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Tam girl. I hope that you, uh, your spirits have arisen and you're feeling a bit better. And also, Jen K. Canadian Bird, I read in here that you haven't been feeling too well. So again, hopefully, uh, my hopes and prayers that you get well soon. Everyone send some positive vibes, love, and prayers to uh, Tam Growl and to Jen K. Canadian Bird. Uh, so say hello. Give them a hug, a virtual hug. Send them a smile. Send them some hearts. Send them some laughs, uh, so this way they can feel better. Um, all right, let's see what else we got here. Uh, let's see, Tan Brow, the looking up. Florida is sending some help also. Yes, looking up. Uh, I believe you're talking about the border and how Florida will be sending some help over to Texas. So I hear that they're going to be sending, well, and Arizona, not just Texas, but I hear they're going to be sending... Um, police reinforcements so hey florida way to look out and uh man florida is putting texas to shame but uh i don't know we'll be examining more about uh governor abbott in the coming weeks uh especially since we're having um a gubernatorial um uh, uh runoff well not runoff but uh, election coming up in 2022 we'll see what's up with that steve us 66 donated a cookie he started the cookie fight it's his fault. <laughs> Gina Knight was in the house. Hi, Gina. Florida is sending law enforcement to help with the border. Also excellent. And then Just V came in with the cookie. Tam Grau came in with the can. Steve US66, another cookie. Um, let's see here. I'm out of gold pills. Blonde blue. It's okay, blonde blue lady cute. Uh, let's see here. We all have to re-up sometimes. And then Just V with the cookie. Here's another. Uh, not to be outdone, right? Just V. Mr. C says always in Texas, you stole my line. I like my coffee like I like my man. Cold and bitter. Oh, no. No. No one wants a man who's cold and bitter. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh man, that, 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 uh, huh. No, they gotta be a little warm. They gotta be a little warm. And um, the bitter thing, I don't know about that either. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Luke's lie talker in the house heading to the pub shortly. Hey, hey, hey. I hope you brought, you brought some back, Mr. Luke's lie stalker, sly talker. 
I can only get pills once a week. Those marathons killed me. There are marathons happening, eh, Tamgrel? Hmm, I don't know. I don't think I have the staying power to have a Mr. C marathon. Like, I'd probably pitter out too soon, or I don't know. I'd probably uh, do it at the end of the month when no one has any gold pills. <laughs> I know. No, I don't know. I don't think I have enough confidence to do a marathon like that. Uh, well, actually, I guess it depends. Is it like, is it a marathon of how many gold pills you can get or a marathon of like how long you could run? Um, because man, I'd need a lot of espresso if I were to do like one of those, like, like crazy long marathons. I don't know. That would be crazy guys. I don't know. Um, the only time I did a marathon type of deal was during um, the 2020 elections. And that was back when I was with Q&A. And we did like what? Um, dang, how long were we on for? We were on for, I think, over eight hours. It was it was quite a night. It was fun. Um, ah, man, I, I don't think I have any clips from that. But um, at 11 p.m. that night, I did an uh, I did a um, I did a uh, show on the Federal Reserve, the central banks, and all. It was a really good show. It was so much fun. Of course, you know, um, that was then. This is now. But uh, needless to say, it was still a good time. Um, I don't know. That'd be interesting. I'd have to think about that. But you now you put the idea in my head, <laughs> Tam Growl. So I don't know. We'll have to think about that. <laughs> Let's see here. Oh, <laughs> so I was like, what's the Russian bot song? Oh, you know what? I just put two and two together. Um, okay, so I think it was probably like the second or third week that I was here at the foxhole. Uh, TikTok's opinion, Mr. TikTok, had me on his show that morning and he in he interviewed me. He has the Russian robot song, doesn't he? Because I remember asking him who did that song and now Luke Scott, Sly Talker. Okay, so that was him, wasn't it? I like that song. It gets stuck in my head also. Um, and TikTok said he was going to send me a copy and he never did. Now, I hear say that TikTok might be on later on this evening. Maybe I'll pop in and be like, hey, Tick, remember me? Anyways, okay, we'll see what's up with that. That should be fun because um, uh, I miss all of my morning shows now, unfortunately. So sometimes I have to catch the replays. But uh, if they're going to be doing some night shows, you know, that would be kind of cool. That'd be kind of cool. Blonde Blue Lady Q gifting some shades. Thank you, Miss Blonde Blue Lady Q. Steve US 66 got some more cookies. Oh, boy, man. I was like, okay, here comes the cookie raid, guys. We had a cookie from Just V, a cookie from Blonde Blue Lady Q, a cookie from Steve US 66, a cookie from Blonde Blue Lady Q, a cookie from, oh, wait, a can from Just V. Okay, Just V, everyone is tossing cookies and you're tossing can. <laughs> Can you imagine? Just like, go long, poof. <laughs> A little warning, uh, because you fight back in the existing territory. I think I don't know what that was a reference to. Uh, that was from Gina Knight. Okay, and then let's see Tam Growl with the cookie, <laughs> Blonde Blue Lady Q with the cookie, Steve U Steve US sixty six with the cookie, Blonde Blue Lady Q with the cookie. Man, Blonde Blue Lady Q and Steve US were just tossing those cookies back and forth. Just V not to be outdone. She she almost broke the jar, and then we got another cookie from Blonde Blue. Oh my goodness, Nick Walls was like, "Why are all these cookies going on around here?" No, just kidding. He said, "Hey fam, sorry I'm late to the party. Indeed, sir." It's like duck and cover there's cookies flying all around the room <laughs> and then uh says food fight a good old-fashioned virtual food fight oh yes don't crumble my chocolate chip cookie <laughs> oh that was fun if i had seen that i would have been like whoa whoa cookies okay uh let's see here what else we got going on um uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Jim K. Canadian Bird. Po Posy for Hope was in at the house. <laughs> Dolphin72. All right. Sounds good. Three-letter agencies, 9-11, mass shootings, assassinations, election interference, January 6th. Um, um, uh, and li the list goes on, says Tam Grell. Indeed, they do. What is not what are the three letter agencies not involved in i just saw um and i'm sure a lot of you guys probably heard about or saw that already where the fbi was trying to recruit a green beret to be an informant uh man it's uh, no shame no shame whatsoever and but then of course there was also a video that well not a video an article that just come out that was talking about how uh there was a dude who was trying to get uh, a FOIA request from the FBI um, in regards to, I think, the Seth Rich case. And the FBI basically told the requester that they would not be able to get him all of the documentation at once. But I guess they were going to put it on a schedule. And based on the amount of documentation for the Seth Rich case, the schedule would have put him at a decade or more before he got all of the documentation, which is ridiculous. And then the NSA, who had gotten a FOIA request from the same person uh, in regards to 16,000 Americans being spied on, um, they, were, they agreed to release that information right away, which led to the question within our federal government, is there an infight between the FBI and the NSA? Good question, because we have to remember, in spite of the fact that a lot of these agencies are bad to the bone, and I don't mean blah, 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 bad. I mean, their marrow is rotten, right? Um, we have to remember that there are still patriots working in or at least have the faith, right? I mean, I would say, yes, there are good because not I mean, not not everyone is inherently evil, just as not everyone is inherently good, although I like to think I am, you know, but um, within the agencies, there are still people who are either working undercover or there's just good hearted people that are compartmentalized and have no idea. And it's usually you guys know it's usually at the top where we see the bad actors and actresses, so to speak, uh, who are trying to actively um, undermine our country, our constitution and our way of life and our God. Uh, Blonde Blue Lady Cube, Bruce Banner told us he sent you a decode. Ah, okay, so here's another thing. Let me see real quick. Let me see who's in the chat real quick. Because, uh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Speak and Easy's gonna, Speak and Easy is just gonna have to get here on time because he's just on the, he's just on the tip of my tongue right now. Um, you know, Bruce Banner. And Bruce Banner stopped into my room a couple of times. Canadian Patriot uh, 17, uh, also known as Better Lately, has stopped into my. They're they're great guys. They're funny as hell. Um, I should go. I should go check them out as soon as I get a chance to. Again, I've been on the replay mode with most of the Foxhole fam. But um, when I heard the Speak and Easy's voice and Bruce Banner's voice, I thought they were the same person until they were on at the same time. And I was like, okay, that conspiracy theory is over with. <laughs> They're not the same person. They almost have a very similar voice, though. Don't get me wrong, but they do. Okay, let's see here. Uh, what else do we have going on? Bill Tech was in the house. Chalupa is fried tostada. U.S. is baked. Uh, us is us baked. Tostada baked. Uh, I don't understand that. I just always understood tostadas to be the name of the uh, hard fried <laughs> corn tortilla that you serve 
a chalupa on. Anyways, I don't know. Okay, let's see here. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Hi, hun. Uh, Dolphin, speaking easy. Good evening, speaking better late. It's like the better. I just spoke about him. Better lately was in the house. Awesome. And let's see here. Jen K. Uh, I do hope you feel, get to feeling better. Sherry Pittsburgh was in the house as well. Hello, Sherry Pittsburgh. I think I saw your name just recently. Yes, <laughs> I think I saw you. So welcome back. Welcome back. Um, there, this reminds me, we have someone primarying that loser rep I have. I spoke to him today. Ooh, okay. Well, if you have some good primary candidates out there, uh, just be or anyone in uh, the Foxhole Fam C report uh, chat, let us know. Like, definitely let us know. Like, it's like... Um, I remember hearing about Hirsch Singh and we're getting back to Depatriot 1776 when we were talking about uh, the situation in New Jersey. But um, I'm always, always for supporting locals, especially if they're constitutionalists. So um, if y'all know any good conservative or constitutionalist or America First or MAGA candidates running in your city, running in your state, let me know. Um, because unfortunately, I can't keep a tab on all 50 um, but, you know, like, for example, we had um, we had the uh, San Antonio uh, city elections here this past uh, end of April, beginning of May. And so that's why I I mean, I, we were lucky that we had conservative Latino group, um, um, the Lexit uh, um, in our city. And then, you know, I was I was lucky that I was able to interview them. So if you have anyone good, we can get them on the air. We can do an interview. And, you know, once I get the names and I'll start doing the digging. Uh, because, for example, one of the uh, one of the candidates that was running in San Antonio as a conservative had previously supported uh, the current socialist mayor. And uh, I called him out on the air and I didn't want to be a jerk, you know, and I didn't. I mean, at the same time, though, you know, I mean, for one, I wasn't afraid that I was going to hurt his chances of winning because you could tell by the way he carried himself. If you guys saw the episode, you could tell by the way he carried himself and his appearance that he really didn't give a crap. Like he looked like he just woke up. Um, and I've seen him in other like uh, other like videos and other uh, photos. And he always looks disheveled, like almost like it's cool to look like you don't care. I'm sorry, sir. But if you're going to be running as a city representative, have a little respect for your office, you know, uh, comb your hair, you know, you don't even have to put on a tie, but at least put on a, a clean shirt, you know, and, and, you know, have a little bit of respect for the office, have a little bit of respect for the people who are voting for you, you know, and so, I mean, I didn't mind calling him out, but also I had family and friends that were in his district and they wanted to know. Uh, ask him, Mr. C, why did he vote for Mayor Nuremberg? Why did he support, support him just two years ago? And now he's crying conservative. So I did. And uh, he had a pretty good answer. I mean, it was pretty straightforward. I didn't, I did not not believe him. But at the same time, you know, I just don't think he took it seriously. I really don't. Um, okay, so Luke Slytalker uh, had a connection here. This was when we were talking about uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Trump. I always want to call him Mr. Trump. Like I used to work for him, right? Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, <laughs> President Trump. Sorry, that was bad, guys. President Trump. <laughs> we we're talking about President Trump <clears throat> having his uh, having his a uh, his um, his uh, first rally over in Ohio uh, at the Lorraine something or other. It's like the Lorraine County grounds or something. So uh, Luke Slytalker says. Lorraine, 
Martin Luther King equals assassinated at Lorraine Motel. JFK equals invited to Texas by governor before assassination. So yeah, I had made a comment to that effect because um, you know that that was that was a pretty good jump of synapse there connecting those things. Um, but um, I remember it was uh, man, it was probably in nineteen. It might have been in twenty where he was supposed to give uh, Trump was supposed to have a rally in Dallas but also up in, I think, Iowa at the same time. Well, not the same time, but during that same time period. And there was something that was just making my spider sense go off. And I was like, I was like, he needs to be careful. He need, I get real, I get real antsy. I mean, this is where I get antsy over my president, right? Like I'm, I'm kind of antsy about him coming down to the border, especially having declared two weeks out that he'll be down here on the 30th. So I'm just like, that gives them enough time to make a plan. That gives them enough time to hire people. That gives enough time for those 7 million round bullets, bullets to get to the border. You know, like I, my mind's just like, you know, like, you know, virgin alert, virgin alert. No, just kidding. You guys know where that's from. <laughs> okay. Anyways. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I always, I'm always very weary of stuff like that unfortunately. But I mean, it's good to be, I guess. I mean, we can't live our life in perpetual fear, obviously, because uh, I keep saying when it comes to rallies and events, we need to be careful because we're still in false flag season. Like we've been in false flag season since Trump has been in office, basically. And now that they're trying to push all of their gun measures, as they always do, they are most definitely, um, you know, they're most definitely trying to push this gun thing. Like, did you guys hear that there was just a shooting in Arizona today, this morning? Now, this is hot on the heels of a shooting that just happened in Austin. Like, okay, so first of all, I was in Austin for 10 years. I had no idea I was in the Texas armpit of the military industrial complex. I guess I should have figured if people like Alex Jones are there, right? And also the state capitol. But um, they had a shooting in Austin, Texas uh, about uh, less than a week ago. And that's like the first time something like that big since, you know, what was it? Since the, uh, since the UT uh, bell tower shooter. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember that story, um, but that was like back in what, like the seventies, maybe this maybe earliest sixties, but uh, they had, they had a shooting in Austin. Um, I think one person died, uh, 13 or 14 people were shot. Um, but now we have it happening in Arizona. So with this whole thing with Austin, I was just like, dang, like that's crazy. Um, you know, people are out in full force again. They're back on sixth street. Now. I, I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of sixth street, Whenever I was in Austin, uh, that's not to say I didn't go out. Um, I definitely considered myself a Red River rat. If you're from the Austin, Texas area. <laughs> Sorry, if you're from the Austin, Texas area, you know what I'm talking about. I just cut always in Texas. <laughs> from space balls good job <laughs> okay <laughs> all right so but um but you know in arizona i'm getting serious again in arizona um uh, they had uh, it was uh, it was a single shooter um and they had incidents in eight different locations and it was uh, i think 14 people one uh, 14 people were hurt one of them was shot i think died um but the rest it was like car accidents or shrapnel stuff like that as an end result now it didn't happen in phoenix proper it was in three outlying uh areas i forget the names one of them might have been oh one was peoria one might have been glendale maybe um as it so happens i have it here so <laughs> let me go ahead and see i'm not even paying attention to my screen hold on Okay. All right. So yeah, it was uh, Peoria. 
Glendale and Surprise. Surprise! Well, they actually caught the guy in Surprise, Arizona. But um, uh, yeah, those three are snow. Those are near Phoenix. They're not, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure like Glendale's pretty near Phoenix as well. Now, the only thing that was, I mean, because I, you know, I got to pay attention to these things. They make me paranoid. Uh, but my big thing here is who's, because the guy, they caught the guy. So I've been looking for updates on the stories. They haven't released like, you know, identity or motive or anything like that. But like, are, is this something that they're going to blame on the Patriots? Is this something they're going to blame on MAGA? Is this, uh, is this, were they, were they hunting down, uh, you know, uh, audit and uh, volunteers? Like, that's the other thing that gets me. I'm like, hopefully none of these people who were hurt were specifically volunteering for the audit because then they're of course they're trying to scare people even though it's over basically you know um i'm surprised we didn't i mean i heard there was um, um a protest down there um i heard that you know antifa showed up i never saw any video i never could find anything any stories on it the only story i heard was that a hispanic lady uh chased one of the antifa people with her chancla <laughs> I would have paid several gold pills to have seen that. Let me tell you what. But uh, anyways, um, yeah, prayers out to the people of Arizona, obviously, like uh, to hope hopefully they're doing OK. Hopefully it's nothing more than what it, it could be. Hopefully it's not something they're going to blow up. Um, of course, they always take advantage of crises. But hopefully it's nothing else other than that. Uh, but we'll find out. I guess we'll find out. We almost definitely find out. Okay, let's see what else we got. <laughs> Blonde Blue Lady Q. Who's Lorraine? <laughs> Anyways, I would hope they have to hold a new election. That way Pence wouldn't be involved. Good call, just be yeah, a new election. And that's that's a good question too, right? Like if uh because that's something you also I didn't think about that either. If they were to give uh give the presidency to uh, Donald Trump, then I guess that means that Pence would have to come along too, right? Boo, boo, new election. I, I second that motion, just be. I second that motion. Um, let's see here. Nick Walls, great to see you here too. Watched Hannity. I'll be back. Yes, and you did come back. Blonde Blue Lady Q with another cookie. Uh, let's see here. What else do we got? Hannity kind of looks like Jay Leno <laughs> with less chin. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I think that's pretty accurate, actually. Now that you think about it, or now that I think about it, it's like maybe they're like clones. No, just kidding. <laughs> Mr. C, we had a tiny spice talk about chalupas and twistada. Oh, yeah. Catching me up on the twistada talk. Thank you. Um, let's see. Performance art, our turn of phrase. Uh, the fam explain. Okay, chalupas. <laughs> Gina from West Virginia. Welcome back to the show. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Then I was doing some gabbing. Nick Walls, uh, Nick Walls allowed, uh, show, told us um, the origins of the chimichanga are within the borders of Arizona. So thank you, Arizona, for that contribution to Tex-Mex. And oh, I call it Tex-Mex. What would you call that? AZ-Mex? I don't know. Uh, okay, okay, we're getting a little bit longer here. They expect our military to protect them for free when they can afford their own militaries. We're talking about NATO there. Indeed, I loved how uh, President Trump, uh, um, you know, the way he uh, turned that around, um, and he made them pay for their own defenses. I mean, they were just literally taking advantage of us. And then you guys, I know y'all saw that picture where uh, Macron was pointing in Biden's face. You know what that reminded me of? 
Do y'all remember that time? It was during the Texas primary uh, that, um, oh, what is that? What is that? Uh, what is that limp wrist panty boy's name? Um, uh, he was a governor here. Perry. Oh, God. I have some videos, uh, one or two, I could show tell you about Perry, where Perry did that to Ron Paul. He was like pointing at his face. I was like, how dare you? <laughs> Uh, not in the Greta Thunberg uh, mode, though, but how dare you? Okay, so, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, so that was a crazy, that was pretty crazy. That was pretty crazy. Um, I think communists are our biggest enemy. I would agree. Um, I have this recording. I don't know if you guys have ever heard it. It's from, uh, God, it's got to be from the 1950s or 1960s. And um, it, it, it's it's just outside of the McCarthy years where they're cracking down on communists. They still call them reds, that kind of thing. Uh, I, I should share that with you guys sometime. It's a really, really, really insightful and good audio recording. I don't remember the name of the man who recorded it, but it, it's, it, was, uh, it was like a three vinyl album set uh, that he released, this man. And it was, it was something like the, the history of the Illuminati and communism in the United States. That's the gist of it, the main theme really, really good, really good. Um, but yeah, you know, and it, that's what it was, communists. And and interestingly enough, or interesting enough, um, uh, there were some very insightful and insightful things in there. Like he was, t and this is nothing against the gay community, obviously, but he was talking about how a lot of these communists were homosexuals. And um, it was just some more stuff. I can't, I can't remember all the gist of it, but it was really good. I'm going to have to show that with you guys sometime, uh, just in case you've never heard it. Again, it's, it was, it was uh, ripped off of, not ripped off, but it was like recorded off or, or copied off of um, like old albums. Um, really interesting stuff. Really interesting stuff. Uh, let's see here. We're almost at the end of our chat, I think. Uh, let's see here. Mr. C. Okay. I, I think that's it. Okay. Oh man. We are the, oh, 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 oh. Here's a good one too. Thank you, Babsy Ice Queen, for being the mother of a, of a badass soldier. She was talking about her daughter in there. So that's pretty cool. Um, uh, uh, so thank you. And then thank your daughter for her service as well. But hey, you're the mama of a soldier and you deserve as much gratitude as your daughter does. Thank you so much for that. Um, let's see. Uh, no one can convince me, especially after Frouchy's. <laughs> Fraud, fraud cheese remarks that was anything but to start the steal of the election. That's coming out more and more. That's coming out more and more. Oh, we were talking about the vaccines and, uh, oh yeah, we were talking about the vaccines there. Uh, Babs, the ice cream ice queen says they changed the policy last week. They weren't requiring it before we are going to going for medical exemption. Um, so that, that's in regards to, uh, um, the military, oh, the schools, the colleges requiring them to get these vaccines now. Now you hear it now, guys, y'all heard it today. Today I heard it on several, uh, several different news areas, uh, content creators, news reporters, whatever, um, how President Trump is now saying not to take the vaccines. You guys heard it here first on the C-Report last night. I'm just saying it. I'm just saying it. He said it in his interview on Hannity, but apparently nobody caught it. But he is now speaking up against the vaccines, it seems like. So the tides, they are turning. So I'm never going to get to ask him why he keeps pushing them. He's probably going to say, I never saw the data. I never read the data. I was just being told, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Still a lot of love for President Trump, though. Still a lot of love. Okay, let's see. She had three tours, war zones. 
So check out, check out how, check out how dutiful and I mean, honestly, their words also badass Babs, uh, Babs's daughter is. Um, she had three tours to war zones in four years. My little kick-ass warrior. She's a little badass frontline duty. That's pretty cool. Thank you very much. Your family is that's that's great. That's great. You know, can't, I can't say enough. I can't say enough about that. Um, let's see here. Uh, <laughs> a lot of talk about Hannity. God, are we, <laughs> I don't think we're anywhere near the end of this chat. Oh, wow. Okay, let's see. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, Puto. <laughs> that was that was from a uh, that was from, that was from the speak uneasy. Oh, my goodness. Putin hates the Satanist. Yes, he does. Just V. He sure does. He sure does. Oh, my goodness. And, and I don't like the H word, but I kind of feel that way, too when it comes to those kind of people. I don't take, I don't take too kind to Satanist in these parts. Uh, let's see here. All right. Okay. All right. This, this is gonna, this show must go on ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh my goodness. There was so much chat yesterday. Okay. Another puto. <laughs> Sorry. At this point, I'm entertaining. You guys are entertaining me at this point. So let me go ahead. Let's see. We also had, uh, uh, we also had faith, faith, faith of Q. Oh, faith of Q. What time do you come on? It seems like 7:30 is the time. 7:30 p.m. Lurk King was in the house. Grafted in was in the house. And I think I called out everyone else who visited us yesterday. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Okay, now let me see what we got going on over here before I get into the thick of things. Always in Texas, here in the house. Always make sure, let me know if you got, well, I guess I could open up my Discord to make sure you got the Discord address. I threw it in there for you all. Okay, cool. Looking up, just V, the Patriot 1776. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Do, 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 do. Oh, Faith of Q. Hey, you found us. I just said your name. Uh, welcome, welcome to the show, Faith of Q. Welcome, welcome, most indeed. Just fed up. Thank you for the cookie. Peeled by the rabbits in the house. Welcome. You're always welcome hair. Peeled by the rabbit. The Joyful Lily. Oh, hi, Joyful Lily. I have not uh, met you before. Welcome to the Sea Report, Joyful Lily, and also Faith of Q. Everyone give them a warm welcome. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pre-read most of this chat today, but all right, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, thank you for that. That was a most entertaining chat recap. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as they say at the Sea Report. Trump leads at the Sea Report. Okay, so let's see what we got going for today. Okay, I was like, is my pocket square still up? Um, all right, so we have a few statements, or well, a couple of statements from uh, President Trump. Now, most of them were rather short. They were most of those in case you missed it moments, right? And we do have some fun stuff for that today, I do guarantee. Might be possibly scary, I will admit that, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Now, we have a um, we have a statement on Lisa Murkowski. So again, Trump is definitely going hard on Lisa Murkowski. I mean, after all, she did use him for his endorsement and then kind of, you know, caved into uh, Stormtrooper Feinstein's uh, threats, as we saw in that one photo that one time. Here's what Trump had to say about Lisa Murkowski. And this is like almost mirroring exactly what he said about her a few weeks ago. Lisa Murkowski is bad for Alaska. 
Her vote to confirm Biden's interior secretary was a vote to kill, long sought for and approved Anwar, A-N-W-R, and Alaska Jobs. Murkowski has to go. Kelly Shibaka <laughs> is the candidate who can beat Murkowski, and she will. Kelly is a fighter who stands for Alaska values and America first. She is MAGA all the way, pro-energy, strong on the border, tough on crime, and totally supports our military and our great vets. Kelly is a powerful supporter of the Second Amendment and jobs. I look forward to uh, campaigning in Alaska for Kelly to, to, to Shibaka. Shibaka. She has my complete and total endorsement. All right. Okay. So <laughs> that was one statement from President Trump. All right. Uh, the next one was um, next one was an in case you missed it moment regarding one Brian Stelter the clown. All right, so this was about Brian Stelter's ratings fall. Now we don't often get into you know the soup of things, the swampy things here at the Sea Report. I mean, don't get me wrong. I will definitely show you our enemy's face, uh, and I know some of you guys get PTSD from that, so I try to give you a warning. But uh, this article came. This article came from the Daily Wire, and you know we've already been having so much fun so far on the Sea Report. We're going to keep on having some fun. Now, let's talk a little bit about the article. We're actually going to go into this. It says, the ratings of CNN's reliable sources plunged to their lowest level of the year this weekend, even as host Brian Stelter continues to dedicate every episode to criticizing the credibility of Fox News. In all his shows, he has lost 72% of viewers since his high point on January 10th. The new Nader came out week, uh, one week after Selter all but begged White House spokesperson Jen Psaki to tell him how his network could better confirm, conform its coverage to the Biden administration's talking point. In the latest episode of Stelter's show, uh, it failed to attract a million viewers for the 11th week in a row. A mere 752,000 total views tuned in to watch Stelter critique the media usually heavily focused on the more successful Fox News on Sunday. That's down from a peak of 2.7 million viewers following the January 6th Capitol riot false flag. Uh, CNN's ratings have steadily contracted ever since the breach breathed life into its sagging viewership. Stelter attracted 1.3 million viewers in February, 1.02 million in March, 900, I mean, 917,000 in April, 836 in May. Stelter's numbers look worse when measured by audience members who belong to advertisers' most coveted demographic, the 25 to 54-year-old viewer only 129,000 people among that cash-rich cohort watched. So I was just like, how could Brian Stelter's ratings be falling? <laughs> Here it comes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> how could they be falling when he's bringing us such great TV like this? But ultimately, it's about news judgment. It's about lack of judgment. Uh, but I find it befuddling. All right. That's where we start. That's how I'm feeling. I'd love to know how you're feeling. You know, this is such heavy subject matter. 
I just want to say on a lighter note, Mark, I love your kitchen. It's giving me great renovation ideas. i got to find something positive to say because the news is so dire. Well, thank you. It seems everyone these days is reporting on the news from their kitchen with all the social distancing. <laughs> but I am getting fat, though, because just six feet from me is a bunch of food. And Ooh. I just bought one of those supersized containers of peanut butter-filled pretzels from Costco. The one benefit of working from home. All right, thank you, everybody. Happy Sunday to all of you. There's this new social media app called Parler getting a lot of attention because conservatives are saying they're leaving Twitter and Facebook going off the Parler because they believe Parler is a safer space for them. What we're seeing is even more of a bunker mentality in right-wing media. And ultimately, that's not good for the country. No, it's it's not good. It's a threat to democracy um, that these people are in echo chambers and they're getting fed a diet of lies, essentially. I don't think CNN is or any other channel right now is, is anti-Trump. What we are seeing are journalists trying to stand up for truth and decency. And um, when President Trump gives an inspiring speech, we should and we do say so. Uh, even when I was growing up, I was interested in being on television. I would practice, pretend to be a television anchor in the basement. Uh, but sometimes I still marvel that they allow me on television. Uh, uh, let me just, can I just I'll put that over there? It's okay to not be okay right now. That's the main thing I want to say to everyone watching. It wasn't until um, this Friday night that I hit a wall. I was supposed to be finishing my nightly newsletter that I mentioned earlier, um, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't get it done. And that's when the tears came. I mean, yeah, there were some messages from uh, from guys trying to do that performative masculinity thing, saying uh, men shouldn't cry or talk about crying. <laughs> yeah, he still seems to prefer these small fights with the press instead of focusing on the virus. And that anti-media propaganda video was an example. He started this briefing with that anti-media propaganda video, which is nothing short of disgraceful. The country is being misinformed. I think it's fair to say the country is being lied to about the small pilot program that they're implying is going to help the entire country starting Sunday or Monday. I'm sorry to say it will not help the entire country on Sunday or Monday. How is this going to affect Americans? Well, I think big picture, today was the day that tens of millions of Americans felt the impact of the virus for the first time. Whether it's your favorite NBA team being affected, or whether it's The View not having a studio audience. I think in some ways companies and corporations are leading the way now. They are ahead of the federal government. The president not reassuring the public tonight, labored in his breathing, struggling to get a coherent message out, but corporations are leading the way. <laughs> and signaling that this is going to be an impact to our lives for the next month or two or three or more. Uh, I've been getting some grief from Sean Hannity this weekend, speaking of Fox, right? From Hannity for, for once suggesting that I thought Avenatti could be a serious candidate for president. So give me a media critique. Was that stupid on my part? What do you make of how Avenatti was covered by CNN and MSNBC? Despite Trump's claim, there is no evidence that Bloomberg is asking to stand on a box. And there's nothing wrong with standing on boxes, by the way. Some of the candidates do that at debates so that the camera angles all make sense. And let me just say one more thing, which is, is this the state of the GOP that we just sit there and we just make fun of other people? Is that what this is now? <laughs> hey, I'm Brian Stelter. Welcome to Reliable Sources.
This hour, as the impeachment trial goes on, grab your polling from Fox News. Right now, we've spoken about this. Right-wing supporters are leaving Twitter for Parler, switching the channel from Fox News to Newsmax. What do you think is driving the changes we're seeing in the media landscape? Yeah, this is the giant move from three channels to thousands of channels. And in every interview Obama's given about his new book, he is talking about these changes in the media ecosystem that are making it harder, he says, to govern and to have a functioning democracy. I don't think anybody would uh, would want to turn back the clock 50 years and go back to a time before the Internet, before mobile phones. At least most people wouldn't want to turn back the clock. But the consequence of this technology is that everybody is a member of the media and these incendiary platforms with hyper-partisan content and lies and smears, they are able to get major traction. Obama talks about this in the interviews that are going to come out in the next few days. He is very critical of this disinformation world that now exists. But like everybody else, Pamela, he doesn't have any easy answers. He can identify the problems, then he's read about the problems, but there are no easy solutions. The- A brand new car laser hey. stuff like <laughs> Okay, fine, fine, fine. We'll cut it there. <laughs> this man just cut off Brian Silver. It's okay, guys. All right. I mean, I, it's a good thing I don't count views because <laughs> because I think I was starting to lose them. No, just kidding. Dang, that must be the Brian Stelter curse. <laughs> okay, but in all honesty, ladies and gentlemen, in all honesty, um, um, we'll just do one more clip of Stel. Okay, and then for those of you who are wondering, also. Those were those were uh, mock videos of Brian Stelter done by Mark Dice. Uh, I don't know if any of you all are familiar with Mark Dice. He's Dice. He's been in the game for a very long time. Uh, and the reason why he does those voiceovers on Stelter is because Stelter has a personal vendetta with him. And, and apparently he's copyrighted his voice or whatever you do for that. Trademark? I don't know. Not trademark. That wouldn't make sense, right? So they would actually go after... Uh, Dice's videos because of the likeness or the usage of Stelter's voice. So in order to continue making these videos, he started he started doing voiceovers, which I think is actually more gold than anything that he used to do before, like kind of like just making commentary on Stelter's videos, but actually giving him that voice. It's like, yeah, that, that could be a Mickey Mouse voice, right? But anyways, so here's the reason Here's the reason why I think that Stelter's uh, ratings really started to decline. Now, all of you all know about the situation where Stelter decided to go on TV with his pants off, right? Well, that's because this man right here, I don't know who this man is. I've never seen him in my life. But this man decided to go on TV, and he's in his boxer shorts. Now, by... Any standard, I would say, especially when you're talking about someone like Brian Stelter, this is a handsome looking man. Of course, he's heavily pixelated, very blurry. So I couldn't be for sure. Right. He might have a filter on. But this man, I don't know what I don't know what the entire circumstance behind this man going on the air without pants on was. But I kind of think it was because. It was like a, a, a sudden uh, interview or something like that. He's a, he's a news reporter, a journalist, something like that. Stelter decides to do the exact same thing. And I'm like, Stelter, 
you are not this man. Like, why on earth would you go? And I was like, maybe it's because this man and his boxers got Stelter all hot and bothered. And then Stelter heard about how many people, because it went viral apparently, but how many people were turned on by a reporter in his boxers. So needing to feel important and maybe needing to feel a little like, you know, to boost his his uh, self-esteem, Stelter decided to voluntarily go on the air with no pants on. And I really think that that was the start of the downfall of Brian Stelter. Of course, I'm probably wrong. We all know that he was going down way before. It's because he had Trump and Fox that kept his ratings going. This is real short. If it is successful, guys. Very cool. We love it, Will. Next time he wore pants. But, hey, I can relate. This was me live on CNN with just two minutes notice talking with Wolf Blitzer about Trump's Twitter account being banned. And of course, Stelter's the one. He ran that story on his own show. Like he he did that on his own show. He had to talk about the hot journalist man. And like, <laughs> don't you dare ask me if I have pants on, ladies and gentlemen. I wear pants. Okay. Now they may not match my attire. They might be a little bit more comfortable than what <laughs> than my than my my blazer and my tie. But yeah. So anyway, so that was pretty ridiculous. I think. That Stelter just felt he had to tell the world, oh, it's okay. Me and this guy, we're exactly alike. I don't wear pants either. No one wants to see that Stelter. And now we know why your show is failing. No, it's because uh, it's because no one likes Fox anymore. So he can't complain about Fox. And it's because President Trump is not in office. So with any luck, Stelter will be off the air before President Trump is president again. What do you think about that, ladies and gentlemen? Anyways, okay. So we had another ICMY or ICYMI in case you missed it moment from President Trump. And it was in regards to someone else's um, ratings. But we won't go into that one. Uh yeah, but yeah, well, that, that that about does it for President Trump today, ladies and gentlemen. That about does it. I hope that was entertaining. Let's talk about Georgia. Let's talk about Georgia. Okay, so a lot of stuff is going down in Georgia, ladies and gentlemen. Now, at this point in the game, we know for a fact, 100%, that this was a fraud and a scandal. A very big scandal, like uh, with all of the evidence that they already had, with all of the video they already took, with everything that was already going on, we knew that this had to come to light at some point. And I really, I really don't understand like how they could have thought that they could get away with all of this stuff. And no one would that no one would ask. No one would pursue it. Now I would say, okay, so say if this was 2012, right? Um, and, you know, Obama just gets reelected and the government's getting away with all this stuff. In 2012, I might have been of the mind that they always get away with it. So who cares? Or, yes, this happens. Uh, that's the government for you. Throw in the towel. Uh, you know, not press forward. Not not, you know, just just be totally deflated. Maybe in 2012, I would have been that way. In 2008, I was definitely like that when Obama got elected from the jump, right? Um, but I think that the disconnection of these politicians, these political reichsmen um, over there in D.C. and abroad, I think their their disconnect is is that severe that they could not realize that even after the president who woke everyone up was gone. They thought that we were just going to go back to sleep. 
they thought that, oh, well, they'll forget by the summertime, right? That's probably what they were thinking. They're probably thinking that there would be no modus for us because we would be so degraded, we'd be so deflated and depressed that we would not pursue anything. And it would be business as normal. They're like, you know what? It's okay. We're going to do all of these things to cheat and fraud and steal because, you know, after it's all said and done, the American people will just, they'll, it'll taper down and people won't pursue it anymore. And that'll just be that. Like, I think that that's probably one of the ways that they were thinking. Maybe they're political strategists. Maybe they're, you know, they're, um, uh, maybe they're people who, who do all these things. I'm thinking of this one woman, what's her name? Um, Olivia Pope, <laughs> maybe the Olivia Popes of the world were like, we're just going to run this fraud. It's okay. According to our average timing, uh, the American people will stop caring in about you know three to four weeks. And then, and then you guys can go doing what you want to do because the American people won't be back for another four years. Oh, how they were mistaken, how they were mistaken, because the American people have not gone back to sleep by any means necessary or any means forced. Like we are wide awake. Things are still moving forward. Uh, full speed ahead. Right. So with that in mind, we've had all this time. And, you know, even with the lawfare tactics where they're slowing down and they're using litigation and they're bottlenecking everything, nothing is working for these people. Okay, and as big of a fraud as we know happened, at least in the biggest five contended states, right? Uh, we know fraud happened in all 50 states. But the most obvious ones, the ones that they they just, they really went over the hill with, we knew back in December. We knew back in November. We knew back in January. We saw the hearings. We heard the hearings. We saw the 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 evidence. We we saw we heard the witnesses. We 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 read the affidavits. You know, that many people can't be lying. Okay, so when it it goes to, when it comes down to it, these people have been totally caught with their pants down, and we're not. I mean, and it's it's definitely as unattractive as Brian Stelter without his pants on. Let me tell you what. So. <clears throat> some more developments are coming out of Georgia. Now, yesterday you might recall that we actually went through the notes that were taken uh, by a, um, I guess, an auditor of sorts that was assigned by uh, Brad Raffensperger, Secretary of Snakes over there in Georgia, to have this uh, little panty boy go and take notes um, of what was going on at uh, the ballot counting center there in Georgia on election night in Fulton County. And if you guys remember, if you guys remember my notes, you guys remember my notes? <laughs> Y'all remember my notes, right? My notes, I was scribbling everywhere, giving you the play-by-play. -play. <laughs> Where are they at, my notes? Okay, here, you remember this one? Yeah, all this stuff they were doing yesterday. Okay, well, we stopped on page 14 yesterday. Uh, there was some more juicy stuff that came up a little bit later on, and we'll get to that in just a sec, right? Um, we'll get to him in just a sec too. Uh, okay. But you know, the videos also, we'll, we're also going to share the videos. We haven't played the videos here on the C report of, of, um, uh, Shea, uh, Andrea Shea, Wanda Sykes, whatever her name was. And, and Ruby Freeman, we haven't played the video of them double stuffing ballots into the, the machines and stuff like that. So we're going to play that in a minute, but this is kind of following that now. We know it was Wandrea Shea 
something or other and Ruby Freeman. I, I got their names. I'm just being lazy. Um, okay. And then it was, oh, well, well, Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Shay. And then this dude here, his name is Ralph Jones. That's the man right there. Here, let me, let me do this real quick. Boom. Ralph Jones. Okay. So Ralph Jones was working with Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Shay. It's like Wandrea Shay. And, um, Andrea Shea and Ruby Freeman were caught on film, uh, you know, double double stuffing ballots, triple stuffing, quadruple stuffing ballots, uh, the same ones through the voting machines. Okay, they were also the pair that was kicking out people from um, the ballot counting center. So this way, and this was at the State Farm Center in Atlanta. So they could then pull out those ballot cases from under the table, and they could do all that stuff, right? And then, of course, I hope you guys remember some of the things that we were reading about yesterday, about how mismanaged it was, about how everything was just basically chaos, about how they knew there was chain of custody issues and all that good stuff, right? All that bad stuff, really. So it comes out now that this man, Ralph here, he was also caught double stuffing, triple stuffing, quadruple, quintuple stuffing the same ballots into the voting machine counters, Okay, so this was this was kind of a big deal, right? Well, it is a big deal. It's not even kind of a big deal because they were going to assume that it was just the two that were doing it. Now we have we know it was the three. Now, uh, getting back to that report that we were reading yesterday. Let's see here. Okay, so we're going to read through a few more things that were happening there. Now, again, this is Seven Hill Strategies, right? That's the name of the um, uh, the independent auditor that uh, Secretary of Snakes, Brad Raffensperger, had them. Um, he basically just take notes about the way that the night was going, right? Little did they know that this was going to be a damning report that was going to come out and everyone was going to read. Now, Georgia's on fire, especially because of this. And it's just, it's just, it's just a little interesting to note that nothing is being done per the law. Where is the AG of Georgia? The attorney general of Georgia should be all up in this. Like he should be all up in this. Like, his nose should be so far up in this that, you know, I don't know, Mr. Clean couldn't help him. You know what I mean? Like, it needs, he needs to be all over this. You know, he needs to be asking all these questions. Where is the AG of Georgia? That's what I want to know. Why is nothing being done about this? Because we already had so much evidence brought forth by Rudy Giuliani, um, you know, for Trump and all the affidavits and all the videos, everything. So this the Secretary of Snake's own notes, if this doesn't do something for them, I don't know what will. Honestly, I don't know. But anyways, so this was a 29-page report. Now, for some reason, the one I got is only 25 pages. So anyways, these are some of the highlights. Uh, we'll go through them real quick, and then I'll read you some of the notes that um, I'm missing from the four pages of this. And they're even more damning than the stuff I'm about to read to you guys now. Now, these are from the notes from the Secretary of Snake's little audit boy, okay? And we'll talk about him in a minute too. All right, so uh, it says here, now this is day, uh, this is election day plus two here. All right, so this is already election day plus two. So this is the 5th of November. Remember, remember the 5th of November? 
3.37 p.m. I asked Ralph about the last ballot box of provisionals sitting under a table. Ralph says, oh, there's another box down there? Question mark. He says as he goes and pulls them out for sorting. He can assume they would have forgotten. I can assume they would have forgotten even though he's the one who put them there. Um, let's see. So they knew that there were some boxes uh, that were hiding and no one would have said anything if he hadn't, he hadn't brought it to their attention. Here at 7 to 4 p.m., Shay tells Happy Faces rep to not bring in more people to finish out the night. Fulton staff will handle it from here. They are desperate now, but not accepting help. Sounds like territoriality. So you guys remember who Happy Faces is, right? Happy Faces is the firm that is owned by Stacey Abrams, who staffs every single agency in the, the government of Georgia. Okay, because, uh, I mean, it's it's not old news that Stacey Abrams uh, basically staffed. I mean, it's not. It's not old news that Stacey Abrams basically staffed this audit and staffed this election night. But it is very, very much new news uh, with dollar signs that um, she was staffing the entire government of Georgia. And you have to wonder why. Smart woman. That's one smart cookie. That's one cookie I would not eat. I can tell you that. Okay. All right. Let's see what this down here. Party poll watchers complaining that they can't see anything even with the new BMD location. I relay this to Deputy, Deputy Secretary of Snake who gives me permission to relocate them to the back of the room so that they are closer to the processing without violating their ballot proximity rules. Strong pushback from Ralph, who doesn't appreciate the SOS changing the rules. The poll watchers were supposed to have more access this whole time. No rules were changed. At 11.17, they moved them. So Ralph doesn't want it to be changed they moved them, but they were supposed to have access the whole time. That's something that they knew. They knew it was supposed to be that way. And it's a shame when you have someone who's on the outside looking in, um, who knows these things. And, you know, I mean, all they can do is take their notes and question it, right? State Farm Security Guard hasn't verified which GOP observers can come in. She literally just told them that Democrat observers are allowed in and not Republican because she didn't have their names. After unsuccessfully attempting to persuade her that this process must be open to the public, I give the GOP poll watchers my number to call her supervisor and go up to the processing room so that staff are not left alone with the ballots. So this guy who's taking notes, he knew himself what she was doing was illegal. And yet she still did it. He even did. He even tried to stop it to his credit. He even tried to tell her. But she still did not allow it. And he even gave him, you know, gave him her phone number and stuff like that for the supervisor. And it's in the notes, guys. It's like, if you don't want to accept hundreds of affidavits, if you don't want to accept a video, are you at least going to accept the notes from the Secretary of Snake's panty boy neurotic journalist here? I mean, okay. And I think that, that's the last of it. That's page 25. Okay, so let me go ahead and get this off the screen for you guys real quick, and then we'll share with you uh, the last four remaining pages that I have procured from, I think it's 100% fed up was the name of the uh, website there. Okay, so let me go ahead and put Georgia back. Oh, we'll put Georgia back up. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Now, from the, from the rest of that document that was noted, just before 11.30 p.m., uh, Ralph Jones says, 
there's confusion about whether or not they're still scanning at the state farm because there were reports that the staff there told the rest of the staff and press to leave. So that's what I'm thinking about also where it was talking about how they were trying the they were telling the the uh, happy faces people to leave. Um, and then he says, it sounds like they were being territorial. They weren't being territorial. It's because they knew they were about to do something extremely illegal and they needed as few people there as possible. We're talking about Andrea Shea, Ruby Freeman and Ralph Jones, right? To stay there and do the job. Okay, so that's why they wanted him to leave. They weren't being territorial by any means. They were there. Maybe they were being protective of their money because they knew that they were going to get a payoff. And I think it'd be very interesting to know where that money came from. Is that part of the money that they got from the uh, Center for Tech and Civic Life, Zuckerbucks? Is that where that money went to? Because don't forget the money that was given. And, and don't forget, Georgia got like $5 million. They got, they got, no, it was more than that. I think it was like 50. They got more, almost more than any other state got or received from Zuckerbuck, Zuckerbuck, from Zuckerberg, from his Zuckerbucks. You know, like Georgia got most of the money and that money was allocated specifically towards what they wanted. But one of the main primary things, one of the main uh, line numbers on that was to staffing, was to hiring. So who's to say that they didn't hire Wandrea, Ruby and Ralph at top dollar for the job that they were going to pull? We don't know that, but hopefully we can find that out. Right. So here we have this. They're being territorial because they want their money, right? Basically. So here it says, uh, again, getting back to this, um, uh, there was confusion about whether or not they're still scanning at State Farm because there were reports that the staff there told the rest of the staff and press to leave. But I am still getting number reports. Jones later arrives at State Farm Arena just before midnight and finds staff are still scanning on all five scanners. About 20 minutes later, Jones observes, order is starting to break down. Ralph newly rescanned some ballots that had already been processed by Shea. You hear that? Ralph Jones, this ugly ducking, duckling here, scanning ballots. Those are probably them, right? Scanning ballots already scanned by Wandrea Shea. That was not the only instance in which Jones claims to have witnessed potential double scanning of ballots. Observing counting on the second day after the election, Jones wrote of a machine that had shut down because it was causing more problems than it was solving. Double feeding and cutting through both the envelope and the ballot, which leads to even more duplicates, he said. So that's some of what was going on there. That's some more of what was found. Now, let's play some of that video real quick since we haven't played it here on this. I know you guys have probably seen it, but we haven't played it on the C report. So we're going to check it out now. All right, let's go and play. It's only like three minutes long or so, guys. So let's see what we got. Pulling these ballots out from under this table. This table, the black one, was placed there by the lady with the blonde braids at about 8.22 a.m. in the morning. So she put that table there. So the same person who's staying behind now, the same person who cleared the place out under the pretense that we're going to stop counting is the person who put the table there at 8.22 in the morning. Yeah, I saw four suitcases come out from underneath the table. Yeah, upper right hand, you see the gentleman in the red. So he just pulled one out. 
what are these ballots doing there, separate from all the other ballots? And why are they only counting them whenever the place is cleared out with no witnesses? Is the question. So these machines can process about 3,000 ballots an hour. You have multiple, multiple machines there, and they're there for two hours. So you do the math. How many ballots went through those machines in those two hours when there was no one there to supervise, to be present, consistent with your statutes and rules to supervise the tabulation? We believe that could easily be and probably is certainly beyond the margin of victory in this race. Because if it's only three scanners working for two hours, right, that's 18,000 ballots that went through. So we're now at 11.09. There were, in addition to the four workers that you see there, there were two other people who were bringing ballots in and out. Uh, the, the gentleman in red that you saw, and then a second person, I can't tell if it's a male or female based on their uh, hair being pulled back in their mask, but in any event, that's six total people. And so if we were to sit here for the next two hours, what we would see is that this operation just goes on and on and on. They're scanning until about 12.55 in the morning. So we kept the, the uh, video running. And, you know, we can show you the people who gave us the affidavits reappearing at that time, just as they said, around 1 a.m. to find out, are they in fact counting after they told us they would stop working or not? Um, and we will fast forward to that, but have you all seen as much as you'd like to see of what's happening here? I think I, so. I think you basically get the idea. Unless any member wants to see more. Or you have any questions? No. no, let's go ahead. Okay, so let's fast forward to about 12.55 in the morning. Okay, so we don't have the fast forward till 12.55 in the morning, but there you go. Now we have that archived here on the C report, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty crazy guys. And again, this is from what the hearings that they were having over in Georgia at that time. Uh, it's pretty disgusting. It's pretty disgusting. And they had, they had told people of course, to leave. We know, we know how the story goes. We know what happened there, but again, that's the one and Ruby Freeman, uh, and that Ralph guys in the mix there as well. Uh, now they have been subpoenaed. They have been subpoenaed, both uh, Ruby and Shay, Wandrea Shay. Now uh, the Democrats put up a fight against this, and so there's a currently a hold on their subpoena, like their deposition. So they don't have to go in just yet. And I imagine that what they're doing is they're probably filling in their backstories and all that stuff to figure out what they're going to do, what they're going to say, probably get their story straight right. But they have been subpoenaed. Now, interesting enough, uh, in addition to them being subpoenaed, Twitter was also subpoenaed. So Twitter's getting brought into this. Let's take this doesn't say too much about what the subpoena is in regards to, but it is a subpoena with Twitter involved. Now, uh, it says here, I hereby certify that on the 17th day of June 2021, I served a non-party subpoena for production documentary evidence to Twitter Incorporated for Wandrea Arshay Moss. 
via U.S. mail and or electronic mail to the following council of record on following council of record. So what did Wandrea have on her Twitter that they are subpoenaing Twitter for a deposition, I guess, for evidence? Like, they, what, are, what did she have on her Twitter account is what I'm curious about. Because now Twitter's getting in on this. Now, there's another question that we have to ask in regards to Twitter and having crimes on their website. Because, of course, as we all know, you can threaten someone if they're a white or a Trump supporter. Um, you, can, uh, you can have um, terrorists, uh, you know, making threats and also colluding and planning and plotting things. And it's OK, you know, but if you support President Trump, or if you question COVID, then obviously, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a terrorist and you need to be taken off Twitter and they'll ban you. But uh, on the other hand, you get to stay on here. So if they have evidence of criminality in regards to this election on Twitter and they didn't report it, say anything or do anything about it, I wonder where that's going to leave Twitter in the long run. I think that's a pretty interesting question to ask. So we'll have to see what comes from the subpoena that's been issued towards Twitter to get information from one Wandrea Arche Moss's account. That I think is a very interesting question. Okay, guys, so let's go ahead and get back into this real quick and then we'll move along. So we have, uh, we have here where um, Ralph has been caught also double, triple, quadruple, quintuple stuffing the ballot, uh, ballot machines there. Um, we have all of this coming up from the notes. Now let's get back to the notes. Now that was from a dude by the name of Carter Jones. There we go. There's secretary of snakes, panty boy. This is the man who was taking those notes that we just read. He works with seven Hill strategies. Okay. And he took all of those very neurotic notes. That's what he says. So now this man is trying to backpedal. He's trying to say, oh, no, um, I mean, at the end of the day, they got the job done, even though all of my notes show that it was a total disaster, total chaos. You know, um, it, it, he he's basically trying to say that nothing went when well, nothing went wrong. Now, th this, these are some of his words. He says, it's not what it looks like during the election. It's what happens after the election and what it looks like at the end. And then he says, Fulton was able to make their numbers zero. And there was nothing that should challenge the certification of this election. Backpedaling much? Um, in a statement, Wednesday, Raffensperger noted that Jones' findings of continued problems said it was important to have him there as eyes and ears on the ground. Now, Jones said the election operations were characterized by systemic poor management, and there were also chain of custody problems and ballot bags that weren't sealed. While he realized many of those problems contribute to some people's doubts and about the security of the election, he said the fact was that there uh, and that he was there and he neurotically took notes during the many hours he spent observing that should provide them some comfort. Now we're talking about Carter Jones, this guy here, not Ralph Jones. Uh, the dude that was uh, kicking people out and triple stuffing ballot machines. 
Jones said they've got it over the goal line. They made their numbers add up. Yes, the vehicle was held together by duct tape and chewing gum, but it got over the goal line. So this is now he's doing his uh his uh press rounds. You know, he's doing his rounds in the press. He's talking to AP and other agencies who are they're trying to basically they're going into damage control mode, ladies and gentlemen. Georgia is going into damage control mode. So I was saying it was going to be Georgia or Michigan. That's going to see a forensic audit next. I have a feeling it's probably going to be Georgia. I'm willing to bet $5, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm willing to bet a cookie <laughs> that Georgia will be next to be uh, on the ballot, uh, on the audit chopping block. Um, and we'll see what happens there. That's some pretty exciting stuff. If you ask me, it's just blowing up guys. It's blowing up so hard right now for them. Um, you almost know that they deserve it because they do, uh, they should be shaking in their boots. They should be, you know, they should be tightly clenched. If you know what I mean, because it's coming down. And if these people don't see jail time, I don't think anyone in Georgia or the rest of these United States of America will be too happy about that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to our next story. Who dat? Who is that? Who's that woman? I can give you guys one guess who this woman is. Look at that face. Now, I know it's not a pretty face. Keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, whenever it is an enemy of the state, whenever it is someone who's a treasonous SOB, I never ever post flattering pictures of them. But this, ladies and gentlemen, is a brand new secretary of snakes who has come out of her snake hole to play in the sunlight. Oh, they don't like that sunlight, those secretary of snakes. Look at Raffensperger. Look at Benson. Look at Schnobs. Look at them all. The National Association of Secretary of Snakes, I will say again and again and again until I'm blue as my blazer, they need to be thoroughly investigated. Now we have a brand new Secretary of Snakes who's, and what is, I mean, what is it with these people? She's come out to play. She's coming out of her little snake hole. This is uh, by name given, uh, what is this woman's name? Jenna or Gina, Jenna Griswold. No relationship to Clark, I'm sure. Now, Jenna Griswold, she is the Secretary of Snakes for the state of Colorado. So Colorado's coming out to play. Oh, it's good to see you, Secretary of Snake Colorado. Uh, we love it when you self-identify so we can see exactly how corrupt you are and how mismanaged you've ran your state and how much you disdain the citizens of Colorado and how much you disdain the Constitution and the rule of law. We love it when you expose yourself. We love it when you do that. So what did this woman do? As the Secretary of Snakes for the state of Colorado, she has issued an emergency rule, a rule, right? It, this, is, this, is, this is Griswold's rule, um, prohibiting election audits in the state of Colorado. Well, why do you think they would do that? I mean, in the state of Colorado, Aren't they already allowed to mail out ballots to everyone on their voter rosters anyways? Like, if you're a voter, you're going to get a ballot in the mail anyways. So why on earth would they even fathom that it's uh, there's something detrimental? I mean, Colorado wasn't even one of the most highly contested states, even though we know that state uh, frauds happened in every state in the union, right? So why in Colorado? Well, let's see. It says here, Democrat Colorado Secretary of Snakes, Jenna Griswold, 
announced her office issued an emergency rule prohibiting the election audits. It says, my office just issued rules prohibiting sham election audits in the state of Colorado. We will not risk the state's election security nor perpetuate the big lie. Frauds have no place in Colorado. Um, isn't it amazing how these, these people are pretty obvious? Now, talk about when you get a group of liars together, when you get a group of snakes and liars together, how they all have the same talking point. It's like snob said fraud it. Now all of them are saying fraud it. Fraud it, fraud it, fraud it. Like, why is it that when groups of liars get together and they discuss about what they're going to talk about or how they're going to set the tone for the country or anything like that, all of them say the same thing. Big lie. Fraud it. Sham audit. I mean, they're not even creative anymore. Like, it doesn't even sound like she's speaking for herself. You know, she's like, it's a fraud it. We're not having sham audits. I was told in a meeting with the rest of the Secretary of Liars that we're going to say the same thing. Anyways, I just it's stupid. Okay, so here she says, okay, so here's the full statement from her office. It says, the Colorado Secretary of State's office today adopted emergency election rules prohibiting third parties from accessing voting equipment in the state of Colorado. Colorado's elections are considered the safest in the nation, and we must remain steadfast in our dedication to security, said Secretary of State Jenna Griswold. Along those lines, no third-party person or vendor will be permitted access to voting equipment in our state. We will not risk the state's election security nor perpetuate the big lie. Sham audits have no place in Colorado. The new and amended rules, which have been implemented immediately, reinforce who can access, access state-certified voting systems. In order to access any component of a county's voting system, a person must have passed a comprehensive criminal background check. Now, she doesn't have to pass a criminal background check. None of the people that perform these, uh, you know, these um, election thefts have to perform a background check. But if you want to audit the state, which is the people's right, you cannot be a criminal. Hmm. All right. This is something to be said about, you know, credibility. There, right. It says, uh, and be either an employee of the county clerk, an employee of the voting system provider, an employee of the secretary of state's office or an appointed election judge. Wow. Those are the only people that this demon. Look at her. She's a demon. Look at her. Look at her eyes. Look at those eyes. Too many night games and a lot of methamphetamines. That's what I think. Anyways, okay. So anyway, so it says here, uh, yeah, you have to be a judge, work for the SOS, be working for the actual, so Dominion can come and audit their own machines, basically is what they're saying. Oh, God. A county clerk, uh-huh. It says the rules further enable the Colorado Secretary of State's office to limit or prohibit the use of as well as decertify any voting system components in the event of a break in its chain of custody or other hardware security co compromises such that its sec security and integrity can no longer be verified. A third-party vendor with no election experience is currently performing a faulty, unsecure election audit in Arizona and calls for such sham audits uh, having have been spreading in other states. Okay, so this is in this is in their release, their press release. Like 
don't you just love how they state fiction like it's fact? Don't you just love how they tell you their opinion like it's the truth? And here's the thing about it. If you're in Colorado and you're anywhere awake and you've been following the audit in Arizona, which is not too far away, you know, you know for a fact that what's happening in Arizona is like, it's airtight, it's hermetically sealed, it's good, right? And then you read an, you read a statement like that, you really got to say, dang, they are really, really, they're truly showing who they are. They're truly showing their true colors and who they are. A third party vendor with no election experience is currently performing a faulty, unsecure election audit in Arizona. I mean, they don't even have evidence of that. Like, there's no evidence of that other than what the talking heads in the local Arizona media says. And, you know, the fake news, you know, lamestream, mainstream, legacy media. Like, it, it, clearly this woman does not read past the headlines. What is up with these people that don't read past the headlines? Like, they need to get the juice, the meat and, the meat and the potatoes, right? But no, they're not doing that. Nope, not in Colorado. Not this Secretary of Demons. Certainly not. Uh, the statement concludes, Colorado already administers post-election risk-limiting audits after every statewide election, which gives a statistical level of confidence that the outcome of an election is correct. That's terrible, ladies and gentlemen. I feel bad for Colorado because they're dealing with this. This is the brand new Secretary of Snakes that we can pick on. Jenna Griswold. Gina, Jenna Griswold. I don't know. Oh, my goodness, guys. Oh, my goodness. All right. So tell you what we're going to do. We're going to wrap today's episode with some good stories, right? A good story. Let's, let's talk about a good story. Well, first of all, before we get to the really good story, let's do this story. Now, okay, because we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Michigan now. And we're going to talk about their secretary of snake, Jocelyn Benson. That's this person here. Ah, you remember her? <laughs> she looks like a real snake, right? <laughs> that's Jocelyn Benson, the good old secretary of snakes over there in Michigan. Right. Okay. But before we talk about her, let's talk about this dude. Boom. Okay. So this dude here, he is a Republican representative from the state of Michigan. Okay. Now this dude, his name is Steve Johnson. Okay. Steve Johnson. And he is the oversight chair of election of the election and the election committee um, over there in Michigan. Okay. So he's the chair of the House of Oversight Committee, all right, and a member of the Election and the Election Election Ethics Committee. Okay, sorry about that, guys. I got my words a little mixed up there. So this guy's this guy's pretty big potatoes over there in Michigan. Like he's he's probably one of the highest, higher ranking, more powerful Republican leaders in the state of Michigan. Now here's the problem with him. The uh, Michigan Senate, they've already subpoenaed, they've already requested documentation in regards to the fraud that happened in Michigan. Okay, they want the machines, they want the ballots, they want phone logs, they want correspondence, all that stuff. Now, y'all may recall that one of the main themes in Michigan is they take forever to get this information to you. 
they they take months and months and months and months and months to get any uh, discovery or any subpoenaed information, anything. They take forever. So it's been six months since they requested this information from the election people over in Michigan. And they haven't had anything come back on it, right? They haven't had anything. So this guy, this guy, sorry, this guy, he should be able to get them that information. He should be able to fight for it. He should be able to, basically, he's like a gatekeeper, I guess you could say. Well, um, this guy also has decided that audits are stupid and that what's going on in Arizona is like basically a joke is what he says. Like I said, it's been over six months since the deadline for all subpoenaed materials to be turned over to the House and Senate oversight committees. But Representative Steve Johnson told uh, a reporter from 100% Fed Up that he wasn't going to release the evidence because he doesn't believe that the evidence that has been shown, the evidence that he's seen, proves that there was any serious election fraud in Michigan. Now, guys, Antrim County is in Michigan. We talked about the whole forensic audit they did down there. We talked about constitutional lawyer Matthew DiPerno and William Bailey, who filed the suit. We talked about how 5,000 votes went from Trump to Biden in Antrim County, how the ballots did not match up what was in the machines in Antrim County, how the Dominion system machines were proven to be hackable remotely in Antrim County, how even on the machines themselves, we saw on a live video demonstration about how they did that. We saw it demonstrated live on film. Okay, plenty of evidence on top of hundreds of affidavits. But this guy says that there's not enough proof. Okay, so what's up with that, right? Now, in addition to that, word on the street is that House lawyers are telling this man that he cannot share evidence from any of this evidence that they're subpoenaing. He can't share or disclose that with fellow members of Congress unless they have agreed to sign a non-disclosure agreement. So they can see the evidence, but they can't talk about it, right? So in an interview that 100% Fed Up had with this man, they were told by him that they can see the evidence and the non-disclosure agreement is not about talking about it, but rather disclosing the actual documents. So apparently it's okay for them to see it and talk about it. They just can't reveal the actual documents, which then you have to ask, how many Republican or whomever might be interested individuals in the House and Senate have actually seen these documents? And if they don't have to be gagged on it, how come they haven't said anything about it? And did they indeed all sign this non-disclosure agreement? What do you do when you're in that situation? You know, like I would break my gag. Screw that. Anyways. Okay. So they talked a little bit about the uh, Maricopa County, Arizona audit. Okay. And this is where he was saying, like, the, the main question is, Michigan was one of the most highly contested states in, you know, one of the top five in the 2020 election. So why on earth did no one from Michigan go down to Arizona to do a walkthrough like 13 other states did? Okay. In fact, only one person from Michigan went down to see that audit. Only one person. And that person's not even an elected official. 
but they may be soon. Okay, and we're we're gonna we're gonna wrap the C report with her story tonight. But getting back to this dude here, he laughed it off and said that Arizona is a joke and a wasted effort, and that it's in a, it's a disaster. Okay. He also said that it was taking way longer than it was supposed to and that it was over budget. Okay. So he really does not feel for and or see any need to have an audit in his home state. Kind of makes you wonder if he's hiding anything else or maybe if he's hiding under wretched Gretchen Whitmer's skirt or maybe he's hiding under Jocelyn Benson's skirt, secretary of snake. I don't know. I'm just uh, speculating here. I don't want to get too crass, so we'll keep it there, right, ladies and gentlemen? Now, it also said that he also said that they needed proof of fraud and that he wasn't going to go, go down the road of an election audit in Michigan because he believes that Michigan Secretary of Snakes, Jocelyn Benson, has already conducted a couple of audits and even a hand recount. And she did it so well, you know, auditing her own work as Secretary of Snakes. You know, she has the ability to, you know, go ahead and audit her work. No one, no one independent or outside needs to do that. But, you know, it's all good for him. Everything that she did was good for him. Um, but uh, in the end, you know, he really he declared it to be a disaster. The Arizona audit, a waste of effort, a joke. You know, this is your Republican representative here in Michigan. Right, a pretty powerful man for whom, whomever he is. And uh, they even asked him about Matthew DiPerno and what was going on over there. Um, and, and, it, and it said that uh, he, they were wondering if uh, he'd been told anything about speaking with Matthew DiPerno, if uh, you know, he'd considered any of his ed evidence. But this man said that Matthew DiPerno, who's fighting for a forensic election audit, at least in Antrim County, he said that Matthew DiPerno is a snake oil salesman, and he also claimed that Matthew DiPerno collected and pocketed $400,000 from a fundraiser that they had. Of course, uh, the reporters over at 100% Fed Up, they went ahead and contacted Matthew DiPerno to find out all about this money, and uh, that was all for a legal defense fund. They raised uh, $317,190 but they had spent over $1.5 million on the case at that point. So um, it's pretty bad here uh, when you consider that even your Republican legislatures over there are also looking down on such things as an audit. Um, Michigan is really, really a corrupt state, if you ask me. And maybe that's why they are featured so often on the C-Report giving some help and love to our brothers and sisters out there in Michigan. But um, let's go ahead and wrap up now, getting back to the Secretary of Snakes, because we had who? This uh, Jocelyn Benson character here. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So let's see here. All right. So let's talk about... Um, let's, let's, put a, let's put a prettier face on the screen. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and... Shrink that a little bit. Okay. So this woman here, her name is Christina Caramo. Caramo. And she's actually going to be running for Michigan Secretary of State. So she will be running against Benson if Benson does indeed does go for re-election, right? Now, this woman actually um, delivered uh, 7,000... 500 plus affidavits 
from concerned Michiganers or Michiganites to Secretary Benson's office, all calling for a forensic audit. So uh, the report said that uh, this is Michigan's first black female Secretary of State candidate. She delivered boxes of thousands of affidavits to Michigan's dishonest Democrat Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, after walking several blocks to arrive at Secretary of State's Benson office, they discovered a sign out in front. So, okay, so we're going to watch some video here real quick. Now, the volume is pretty bad. They're interviewing this woman on the go. But this woman, this woman here, she's one to watch. Christina Caramo, or Caroma, Caramo, Caramo, Caramo. I'm saying the name wrong. K-A-R-A-M-O. She, um, she's the only one that went down to Arizona to watch the audit. Like this woman who's not even elected official went to Arizona and viewed the audit. So I thought that was pretty interesting, but let me get that. Let me get that video going. It's pretty good, even though the volume is pretty bad, but we'll see what we can do about that here real quick. Here we go. This is Christina Caramo. She's running for Michigan Secretary of State. She's a Republican candidate. She's been very involved in this whole fight to make sure that we have free and fair elections in the state of Michigan, something that our current Secretary of State doesn't seem to be very interested in as long as her party wins. So Christina is out here fighting for everyone in the state of Michigan, regardless of their party affiliation, to ensure that we have free and fair elections. Christina, can, I, can you tell everybody who's watching what you're doing exactly right now? Hang on a minute, I get the camera. We are delivering affidavits to secretaries and documents. She has the honor of the rights of the people of Michigan because in our state constitution, we have the right to an audit. This is not the same thing as her doing an audit where she claims she did 250 audits, but we don't one time and she only looked at four ballots. This is not about her covering her tracks. This is about we the people ensuring that our election systems are secure. This is about we the people making sure our elections are operating for the rule of law. One of the points I've been trying to make very much during this process, this is not about political party, about any candidate, it's about us. It's that we the people give our consent to be governed. And when we lose that ability to give our consent through an unsecured election system, we fortunately no longer have a republic. And the media oftentimes, and I said, I'm talking about many of the mainstream media, not everybody. Many of the people in the media try to create this narrative that it's just about some type of political cause of just sore losers. That's false. The issues of election corruption have been going on for a long time. I've talked to so many people from across the state, from various political offices, non-political offices, everyday citizens, who complain about the issues of election corruption in our state. And so therefore, therefore, they simply, we know that our system is corrupt. We just want to make sure that it's working right. So my thing is, God forbid, if, if our elections are ran for the rule of law, and as you claim that our elections are secure, no problem, shouldn't have an issue with the Shouldn't have a problem with the forensic audit. The only reason why, the only reason why she has a problem with it is because she's corrupt. She's a criminal. And I stand by my statement for being a criminal. There was no reason, unless she is engaging in some type of corruption, for her to ask the clerks to delete election data by December 6th. It's a violation of election law. I want to ask Jocelyn, and I'm not going to call her secretary, and I stand by that. 
Justin, why did you tell them to leave election data? Why? Why? What do you have to hide? You clearly have something to hide. And you wrote a book about what it means to be a Secretary of State. So therefore, you know exactly what to do. Why do you feel like you're not beholden to the people? Why do you feel like somehow we're beholden to you? This is why I'm running for the office of Michigan Secretary of State. This is not about me. Unlike Jocelyn Vincent, I'm nobody, nobody's puppet. I want to work for the people of Michigan because I care about everybody. I don't care what your political party is. I don't care if you're a Democrat, you might even be a socialist, which I'm strongly against, by the way. But you know what? You have every right to believe what you believe. You have every right to vote for who you want to vote for. And it would not be my job if I'm elected Michigan State Secretary of State to somehow impede on that and stop you from having your voice heard. And so this is what this is all about. It's about we the people, not about any party, not any candidate, it's about us. And that needs to be made perfectly clear. And so what's in the box that you're carrying, Christina? These are affidavits from everyday citizens within the state of Michigan demanding an audit. That's what it's about. But everyday citizens wanting our government, the Secretary of State, our state legislators to conduct a forensic audit like what we saw in Maricopa County, Arizona. That's what this is all about. And so I was told that there were about 7,500 plus affidavits. Do you know, have you heard a number yet about the number of affidavits yes. that citizens in Michigan have signed? Yes, it's something around that number. And they were, and the reason, only reason why we don't have an exact number is because people are still bringing affidavits today. Okay. So that's what it's all about. Okay, so you've got two boxes here. You've got a box here that Christy's helping you to carry. And you've got a box in... So how far are we walking to get to Secretary of State Benson's office here? It's just up here. Okay, around the corner here. Yep, right. So while so while we're, right. we're walking, we're going to keep talking to you, Christina, because I want you to tell our our followers on 100% fed up exactly what you saw on election day and the day after the election that caused you to get involved and to want to become the Secretary of State in Michigan. So the, the issue, I saw multiple statutory violations and the process that made establishing the chain of custody completely impossible. The Murdoch's Antique Counting Centers are a very are a very open door for fraud and corruption. And if we don't establish chain of custody for all the artifacts of the election, if we don't establish chain of custody for all of the absentee ballots, then we cannot be sure that our election system is secure. That's what it's about. And when I was at the Antique Counting Center in Detroit, I saw two ballots illegally cast for Joe Biden. One was specifically for Joe Biden, and one was illegally cast for a straight party ticket Democratic vote. The naysayers who said, well, this is just two ballots. Look at two ballots I saw. And for these individuals to brazenly commit crimes in my face, in my face, what were they doing behind my back? And it is not my job, it is not my job to investigate. I'm a citizen. That's what we pay taxes to me. That's what we pay taxes for. We pay taxes for our government officials to make sure that our liberties are protected. Not for them to get power, not for them to have control. The whole point of electing people to office is to make sure our liberties are protected. And then that way, and then with that, we need to make sure that our election process is very secure. And when I saw two illegal ballots cast for, for Joe Biden, and I just, I had to fight back. And, and every citizen should fight back. If you see something illegal, if you see something, say something. And that wasn't the only issue. I saw issues with military ballots, things that violated procedure. We saw a lot of stuff. We saw 
ballots being put in ballot containers that had not been approved by the Wayne County Board of Canvassers. There were lots of issues. There was no established security in our election system. So after seeing that, I submitted my sworn affidavit. I testified before the Senate. Nothing. So I said, well, I got to stand up and fight back. That's why I'm running for the office of Michigan Secretary of State. Everybody in Michigan, irrespective of political affiliation. So how do you think you're going to be received when you bring these affidavits into the office of Secretary of State Benson? Do you think that she's going to be happy to see you here? She's going to be receptive to the affidavits? What's your take on what's going to happen? Well, I really don't know what's going to happen. This is the first time that Patty knows me and two other women. We attempted to make a delivery. We Oh, wait, let me show, see. I want to zoom in on this here while we're here. This is the Secretary of State's office. Please just. They come in to get me? Okay. So, display, please display your ID at all times. So, is this racist? Is this racist here? Sure Hi. seems like it. Hi, I guess this is racist. <laughs> so, now, we, should we then say that our Secretary of State is racist? Because on her office door, you have to have ID? Oh, maybe they're asking people to display their ID for security purposes. Maybe that's why. And we're asking for people to display their photo ID for security purposes in our election as well. We're being gaslit, people. We're being gaslit. And this right here points to how there is an attempt to undermine our elections. That's what's up. All right. So we had, we just got we just had the security guard tell come down and tell us that they were somebody was coming down to meet you here. Is that correct? So I guess they anticipated that you would be here. Here. Oh, we'll find out. So I want to thank everybody for watching. This is an important day here in Michigan. Um, Christina attended the Arizona audit recently. She was the only person from Michigan um, who attended the audit. And instead of applauding her efforts for going down and witnessing what was happening at the audit, we had people like Michigan Secretary of State Jaslyn Benson who mocked her. And we had people like Steve Johnson, who is the chair of the Oversight Committee here of the Republican-led majority, um, House and Senate, who um, found the audit to be a joke. And he basically told me he thought it was laughable. So thank goodness we have people like Christina Karama who are brave enough to run for Secretary of State in Michigan and who are willing to take this fight to the state legislature and to help us to to get these affidavits to be seen. I see people mulling around in the hallway. They seem kind of somewhat nervous back here. I'm gonna videotape these people back here that are kind of mulling around and looking out here. I don't know what's going on in there, but um, I think it's kind of hard with the reflection, but I'm gonna guess that they're not gonna be really excited to see thousands of affidavits dropped off at their door demanding a forensic audit of our crooked and dishonest Michigan Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson. Did you want to tell people anything about the audit, Christina, while you're standing here, anything that you saw in Arizona that caused you to think that the a forensic audit in Michigan might be a good idea? Yeah, the actual chain of custody and transparency. Those were the things, chain of custody and transparency. Citizens, citizens in Maricopa County and across America can see exactly how the audit is being conducted. So since the citizens can see how the audit is being conducted, there should be no problem. But only the people that are criticizing me are either A, corrupt, or just choose not to look into what's going on. Each ballot is scrutinized by three people. All citizens of Maricopa County all voted in the last election. How is that approved? Every time the boxes have been handled, there's an absolute chain of custody. 
when the ballots are not being handled, the boxes that the ballots are in, they're locked in the cage. Each ballot is put under a microscope where they're checking for creases in the paper because between 1.8 and 1.9 million people of the 2.1 million people in Maricopa County voted by absentee. They're checking to make sure that a human being actually marked the ballots and not the computer. They're doing a forensic audit of machines and canvases because we've had situations where there's been an address for public people registered to vote, and then the people show up and there's no house there. So how can people how can people be registered to vote and then be locked? So we want to make sure that our election system is secure. This is all we're asking for. Many people, we heard so many reports across from people across the state of Michigan of seeing election fraud, seeing corruption, seeing processes violated, or simply seeing people being slumpy and not following through with all the rules and procedures that govern our election. So it makes sense that the citizen would like the Secretary of State to look into our concerns instead of mock us and say, oh, this is the most secure election ever, that's person to the election and the, and the judge will against her for violating the Administrative Procedures Act. So this is what we've seen out of the Secretary of State, and it's unacceptable. So if she wants to restore confidence in our elections, do what we ask in performing audit. We're not asking for anything unreasonable. We're asking for her to honor our constitutional rights. Okay, here comes the security guard. Now we're going to... Okay, and we'll go ahead and pause it there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, okay, so the video does go on for a few minutes more. Uh, basically, what transpires after this, and I'll go ahead and put this. I don't think I have a better. No, not him again. Uh, what, what transpires after this at that point is um, she's trying to get the affidavits delivered to the Secretary of State. Of course, they're not letting him in the building. Then they refuse to accept the ballots. Or, I mean, sorry, the affidavits. Then they refuse to sign this paper here. I'll go and expand it there. Now, this is this is basically a chain of custody paperwork saying that they received the affidavits and nobody wanted to sign it. So the security guard goes back and forth about three times before it's finally decided that they will rubber stamp it. Yeah, no one wanted to sign it with their name, but they did rubber stamp it saying that they received the affidavits, but no one would sign their name on it. And, you know, the big whoop there is, of course, if the affidavits go missing, there is no um, there's no chain of accountability. Who lost them? Who got them? Who received them? All we know is someone rubber stamped it. but We don't know who signed it. So no one wanted to receive it. No one wanted to rubber stamp. I mean, no one wanted to sign it, but they did deliver the ballots. And that was basically that what happened there. So that's pretty good. Now, like I said, she was the only one who went down to the Arizona audit. She will be running for secretary of state in Michigan. Christina Caramo, Caramo, uh, I'd say she's one to watch, ladies and gentlemen. She is one to watch for sure. I'm excited for, for Michigan, honestly. I'm very excited for Michigan if you have individuals like this. Because, you know, we hear so much bad news from Michigan, especially even in the Patriot media. We hear about how bad their government is acting. We hear about how bad their governor is, how bad their legislatures are. Now, there's some other people, too. Senator Tice, for example, I thought she was pretty good. I don't I don't have too much data on her, but, you know, and, and I know she's not running for secretary of state, for example. She could run for governor, though. Uh, but anyways, so there are a few. There's always going to be some um, patriots and some, uh, you know, um, con uh, constitutional minded uh, individuals out there. But the, the fact of the matter is, I think that there are a whole lot more people up in Michigan that are actually fighting for the rights. I mean, 7,500 plus affidavits signed, um, you know, that's that's enough for them to have to pay attention. 
But now we'll see what happens because, of course, wretched Gretchen Whitmer and Secretary of Snakes Benson, they don't really seem to care. They think they're above everyone else. So we'll find out how that goes. We'll keep uh, we'll keep tabs on this story here. And we will let you all know most definitely in the future what is going on with Michigan. But uh, in the meantime, I really feel like Georgia is the one that's going to be coming up with them audit next. I think they're the ones that are going to hit that forensic audit. I could feel it in my bones, especially with the level of um, the level of scandal that's going on over there. It's so out in the open. It's just it's insane, ladies and gentlemen. It's insane. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed this, the Friday episode of the Sea Report. We will be back on Sunday for Lone Star News. That's uh, the weekend report that we do for the state of Texas. Uh, first episode coming up on Sunday. Still deciding on a time, but it'll most likely be sometime during the afternoon hours. Um, it won't be in the evening. That's for sure. There's too much going on in the evening. Uh, thank you all for your cookie and can donations. I'll recap. You know what? It's the weekend before we get to recap it. So let me go ahead and do that now. And then we'll also release the... Um, We'll also release the lotto ticket. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a cookie. Thank you, Just Fed Up, for the cookie. Thank you, D Patriot 1776, for the cookie. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I lost my place. Oh, no. Okay, what else do we got? Just V for the cookie. Thank you so much. She says my cookie count is low, but uh, I mean, diabetes, you know, anyways, there's kidding. Uh, uh, just be with some shades. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And then um, uh, there was another one in here somewhere. Sorry if I'm missing you all tonight. Uh, and I know I saw one more in here. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, speaking easy with the can. Um, thank you, Mr. C, for your hard work. Come over to the bar on Sunday night, friend. It's, uh, I would say it's a date, but we know it's not, okay? Um, I will be there on Sunday, sir, and uh, we will see you then. All right, ladies and gentlemen, y'all have a great evening. We'll see y'all on Sunday, daytime. Not, 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 I'm not going to be at the bar until, uh, what is it, 9 p.m.? Uh, 8, 9 p.m. Texas time or 8 p.m. Texas time. Anyways, catch me at the bar on Sunday over at Speak Uneasies. Uh, but otherwise, the Lone Star News will be, um, be on early Sunday afternoon. And uh, then we'll be back with the Sea Report on Monday at 7.30 p.m. Central time, Texas time, 8.30 p.m. Trump time. Until then, folks, y'all have a great evening and a great weekend. And happy Father's Day to any patriot fathers out there who are celebrating with their little young or maybe they're not little with their with their with their kin with their offspring with their brood whatever you want to call them all right ladies and gentlemen happy father's day happy patriots we'll see you all on monday and sunday if you're here with us for lone star news till then take care <laughs>